Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. There's still time to join a 40 Days for Life prayer vigil outside abortion centers, but the fall campaign wraps up November 3rd. For more information, click events at IllinoisFamily.org. Meantime, the Reverend Cesar LaFleur is encouraging pastors, along with members of their congregations, to participate in 40 Days. He's also urging pastors to be ongoing life leaders. Pastor LaFleur is one of the founders of the Southland Coalition for Life. He spoke at a recent 40 Days event in Tinley Park, not far from a Planned Parenthood in Flossmoor. So I'm happy to be here and I'm happy to see so many people that came out again today to hear and to learn about this phenomenal ministry of prayer that is the 40 Days for Life, to push back the darkness and the culture of death that is hovering over our nation like a dark cloud. See, we've come to fully understand beyond any doubt that nothing will be accomplished and nothing will be done unless the Spirit of the Lord is released into the land to awaken a sinful people and to bring revival to a sleeping church. Abortion won't end unless the Spirit of the Lord moves and causes it to happen. Someone referenced Psalms 127. It says, except the Lord build the house, the laborers labor in vain. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It's only when our nation is convicted to the point of repentance for the sin of abortion and the slumbering church of Jesus Christ is revived and has risen up that we will see the conditions set to bring about an end to abortion and all of the other spiritual wickedness that is plaguing our land. And for this, we see prayer as the key energy. Prayer is the key exercise of faith for the people of God. Prayer is not a backup plan. Prayer is not an act of desperation. It's our main battle plan that we get to implement together. The 40 Days of Life offers us a unique opportunity to implement that prayer as a unified and unashamed body of faith believers. Do I have any of those in the room today? I'm also happy about the opportunity that the 40 Days of Life gives us to build upon relationships that unify the Church of Jesus Christ and the pro-life communities, which operate most of the time as if they're not aware that we are one in the same. Now understand this, the pro-life movement is a disciple-making movement. We have this common mission to make disciples that we get from Jesus Christ through his great commission to go into all the world, baptizing people in my name, teaching them to obey, to make disciples. And so just as the mission of the church is to make disciples that make disciples, so is the mission of the pro-life movement, to make disciples of Christ. Because it is the gospel of life that Jesus Christ came to represent is what we represent as well. And our desire for every person that we encounter in this movement is to share the ministry of reconciliation, the gospel of Jesus Christ to them, so that they receive more than just instruction on how to save their baby, but how to live for Jesus Christ. Because a person is not really discipled until they're discipled back unto Jesus Christ. And then we are needed to have that unity in order to be able to end the sinful practice of abortion that continues to cause this nation and its people to live in condemnation. The Bible says righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Abortion is a relevant, prevalent sin today that is causing our nation to live in condemnation. And it's going to take the church of Jesus Christ, an awakened, unified body of believers, to stand against that evil and pull it down. Can you say amen? 
Now, let me also say, as a black pastor, how much I appreciate the opportunity that the 40 Days of Life campaign gives us to counter an evil intention that the founders of the abortion movement had for black pastors and had for his pulpit. You might have heard about Margaret Sanger. And you might have heard about her Negro project. Margaret Sanger was an elitist, a hedonist, a racist. She was an individual that bought into the eugenics doctrine that said that they can control what was good birth. They looked at some people as being undesirables, mainly us, but they looked at everybody who was black, who was poor, who was feeble, as human weeds, as she called them. And she really had a design on the black community. And one of the things that she wanted to do was not only to use the black doctor to train him in their philosophies and put them into the hospitals and, and encourage our women to sterilize themselves and stop having children, but pastors, she also targeted the black pastor because she said the most effective appeal to the black community is a religious appeal. And her design was to get the black pastor and to co-op him and to have him use his pulpit to not only advance her evil ideology, but also just in case the word went out to some of our most rebellious ones that they were trying to exterminate the black population, she was going to use the black pastor to put that to rest. So as she had intentions for the black pulpit, and for the words of the black pastor based on her plan. How many of y'all know that God has a plan for us as well? And God has given us, and the, and the clergy has given us pastors a sacred responsibility to speak the truth. So just as she had a plan for us, God says, I have a plan for you, says the Lord. A plan to prosper you and to give you a future. So I, I thank God for the opportunity to be able to push back against that kind of darkness. And pastors, we have to take every opportunity to do that. Amen? So they've asked me to share with you for a few moments on how to mobilize the church to promote life. And to get started, I want to borrow a line from the Apostle Paul, who when he was writing to the Corinthian church concerning a vitally important topic, he introduced it by saying, I received from the Lord that which I also share with you. The things that I want to share with you today are simply the things that the Lord has allowed me to see and experience over the past 30 years of my own pro-life ministry and also what has, he has revealed to my heart about where we, the Church of Jesus Christ, should be standing in light of this monumental issue. I believe that we need to be standing in prayer and be standing right before those places of darkness, which is why I appreciate the 40 Days for Life. And my first point of encouragement that I'd like to share with you about how each of us can motivate and mobilize our own congregations to become the powerful, influential voice for life that the Lord has intended for us to be is simply this. Pastors, you must lead the people. You must set the example. I'll say that again. Pastors, you must lead the people. You must set the example. Pastors, we are the shepherds that God has placed to watch over his sheep. And one of the things that we have learned, if we've learned anything from the example of our great shepherd, Jesus Christ, is that sheep cannot be herded like cattle. Sheep must be led. Whenever the Bible speaks of the Lord as our shepherd, he speaks of how the Lord leads us. He leads me beside the quiet waters. Or Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Another they will not follow. The idea of a shepherd is being a good leader. A good shepherd is one who leads his sheep in the places where they need to go. Pastors, if you want your people to develop the type of boldness and sensitivity for the issues of life that motivate activism, it is vitally important that you set that example and that you model it for them. In order for you to be able to speak with clarity and conviction about how rewarding it is to our spiritual development, to exercise our faith in this way, you must first receive that experience for yourself. 
Because how can you tell the people about the wonderful victories and the life-changing experiences that are happening out there in response to faith-believing prayer unless we have seen it for ourselves? So I say, pastors, don't encourage your people to sign up for hours doing this prayer vision. You sign up first, and then you tell your people when you're going to be out there and ask them to join you. Ask them to join you. You leave them there. And I want to share with you some of the experiences that God has allowed me to have that will show you just how wonderful this experience it is. And this is the reason why I can talk about it so passionately when I go to places because God has allowed me to see some things, especially through this 40 Days of Prayer vigil. During the first campaign, I was out there, and it was a winter campaign. Well, they called it spring, but in Chicago, spring has another whole message. It was winter because it was cold. And it was a very cold day, very bright and sunny, but it was extremely cold. And I was, it was only a couple of people out there that morning with me. Once the uh, first two ladies that were there with me left, I was there by myself. And a few moments later, a lady showed up. She had her teenage daughter and another woman who came along with her. And I was so happy to see her. I said, thank you for coming out to pray. And she brought her own signs out. And her sign says, I want to pray for you. Ask me how I can help you. And she stood very proudly behind that sign. And I could see the enthusiasm on her face. So I just simply asked her, share your testimony. How did you come to this? She says, Pastor, this is my experience. When I was 15 years old, I found myself in an inconvenient, unplanned pregnancy. And I was desperate for a solution because I couldn't have this baby. So I scraped up all the money I could. I borrowed money, I scraped up money, and I got my money together. And I made my appointment to go and have my abortion. She said, at the time, I was three months pregnant. So she went, kept her appointment, showed up at the facility that day. But as she was walking in, she walked past a prayer intercessor that was praying on the sidewalk in front of the facility. Didn't really pay much attention to the person, heard the person was praying, but it ticked something in her own heart that made her start praying once she went inside the facility. And once she got inside, she said, I don't want to do this. I changed my mind. I want to, I want to, I want to get out of here. I don't want to do this anymore. This was her challenge. She said, but I had already given them the money. And she says, and they had already made it known to me that I was going to have to go through this because I wasn't going to get my money back. And so she said, I felt helpless. I was afraid to tell the lady I didn't want to do it anymore. And I was afraid to lose my money. She's telling me all this right out there as we were praying. So she says, I just prayed. said, God, get me out of here. I don't want to do this. She said, when the attendant came back into the room, the attendant said, said, we have a problem. She said, what's the problem? She says, you're not pregnant. She said, what? She says, you're not pregnant. We have to give you your money back. We have to let you go. <laughs> Listen, hold on. Wait a minute. So she's going, huh? Really? Yes, I'm sorry. So they refunded her her money, and she walked out the door. And six months later, she had a baby girl. Let me tell you, you know how they say sometimes we have these Holy Ghost fits from, from our church? Right out there in Fossmore. It was just amazing. It was like God had just transformed that whole atmosphere. And I realized that at that moment there is nothing too hard for God. And God hears the prayers of his people. Even before we cry out, the Bible says, I'm hearing you. Before she even knew that she needed to pray, God was already interceding on her behalf. And God hid that baby. Hid that baby from the hand of the enemy. And allow her to have that child. Now, as an addendum, she said, now some people told her maybe you made a mistake. Because her daughter grew up and was kind of riotous, was living a, you know, a life that she wasn't happy about. And so she goes, some people are trying to make me think maybe the best thing would have been to have that abortion. I said, think about it. Your daughter is just as you were at 15 years old. 
as you were, that's how she is now. Now look at where you are now. And think about where God can have her in the future. The blessings of the Lord maketh rich, and they add no sorrow. So that was just a testimony of how God really just interceded on behalf of prayer. I have one more I want to share. So just recently I had an opportunity to be one of the speakers on what was called the National Day of Mourning. There was 18 million blacks in 1965. We've aborted 20 million since 1973. But as part of that, I had an opportunity to drive to Washington, D.C. to meet some people, and then we drove to Richmond, Virginia, had a press conference, and then went to Raleigh, North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, went to Atlanta, we went to Charles Stanley's church, and we had a big press conference, and Dr. Alveda King and others were there. And then we did a caravan over to Birmingham, where there was about 400 of us in the room praying that morning. And we were calling out to the Lord, and we were crying in repentance for God, and saying, God, change the nation and waken the hearts of the people. And while we were there, Sylvia Johnson from the Houston Pregnancy Centers in Houston, Texas, was in the audience, and she got the attention of someone because while we were praying, five women walked out of Planned Parenthood in Houston, Texas, and walked into the Houston Pregnancy Help Center, where four of them were identified to be pregnant, and all four of those women decided to keep their children. While we were praying, God answered the prayers and motivated those women to get up and to walk out of Planned Parenthood and into the Houston Pregnancy Help Center where they were ministered to and they decided to keep their children. Isn't it amazing what the power of prayer can accomplish? And I believe that we can experience those kind of testimonies over and over and over again if God's people would just simply do the only thing that he really requires us to do is to have faith in him, turn to him, and trust that he is able to heal our wicked land. So I want to encourage you pastors that you set the example. You be the first partakers. One of the things I appreciated about the church I grew up in is that when I became a minister, when they, we took the offering, our pastor required all of the, the ministers to give their offering first. He said, you line up and you be first. Be the first partakers because you don't want to require anything of the people that they're not seeing you do. Pastors, if you want to set an example for your people, you show them your, the confidence that you have in a God who hears and answers prayer, in your willingness to put yourself out on the front line, believing in prayer that because of your faithfulness, God's going to come through and do something amazing. Amen? Pastor Cesar LaFleur. During the second half of Illinois Family Spotlight, he'll tell us that 40 Days for Life is a big starting point for pro-life activism. We now have Pronoun Police. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. Virginia school teacher Peter Vlaming refused to use male pronouns for a biological girl student who identifies as male, so the school board fired him. Now, mind you, in an attempt to accommodate, Vlaming gave up using pronouns altogether, choosing to address his students by their chosen names. But that wasn't good enough. Vlaming, a Christian, has enlisted the Alliance Defending Freedom to sue the school board for trying to, quote, force him to communicate a message he doesn't believe, that gender identity, rather than biological reality, fundamentally shapes and defines who we are as humans. Well, Vlaming isn't out for blood, he just wants his job back. More cases like this are cropping up all across the country. More Christians will be forced to make the kind of choice Peter Vlaming faced. It will only be more difficult if we fail to make the case for religious freedom and why it matters along the way. A new book by Luke Goodrich, Free to Believe, can help us do just that. Come to breakpoint.org book to get your copy. I'm John Stone Street.
Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. During this edition, we're highlighting comments made by the Reverend Caesar LaFleur at a recent 40 Days for Life event in Tinley Park. Pastor LaFleur is one of the founders of the Southland Coalition for Life, a ministry that was created in part as a response to the opening of a Planned Parenthood abortion center in Flossmoor. My next point of encouragement I want to share with you today is that each one of us need to work to build a culture of life within your church. Work to build a culture of life within your church and not just assuming it's going to develop on its own. One of the scriptures, uh, it's a paraphrase from Eugene Peterson's The Message Bible that I really like, is the paraphrase of Romans 12 and 2, where it says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transferred by the renewing of your mind. He says, Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Don't let the world squeeze you into this mold. One of the things that concerns me is how we are allowing the value system of the world to slip in, impact, and dilute the message of the gospel that is being preached in many of our churches. In some churches, abortion has become the untouchable third rail of discussion because of the political implications associated with it, and some pastors just don't want to deal with the controversy. We don't want to offend people for fear of losing them. Well, first thing, Pastor, I want to let you know that you won't have to worry about losing them because they don't belong to you anyway. Those are not your people to have. You are simply a steward over God's sheep. So they're not your people. In case you're fooling yourself, you didn't get them, and so you can't lose them. The Lord's going to have to keep them. So don't fear losing them by saying something that's going to make them uncomfortable. But more importantly, we have a responsibility to speak the truth concerning the moral issues that's facing our world. And you need to understand this, that abortion is not just a political issue, as some would have us to believe. Abortion is a moral issue. It's a biblical issue. And it's based on a deception, a lie of the enemy that is taking many people sitting right in our congregations captive. Pastor, they're in your churches. Pastor, they have been taken captive by the lie. And the only thing that's going to set people free from the captivity of the lie is the truth as is taught by Jesus Christ. He says, for this reason I was sent, for this reason I came to testify to the truth. The only thing that's going to set captives free from the abortion lie, from the deception of the world, is the truth about the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we cannot let the enemy or anything derail us from speaking the truth in love, but we still must speak the truth about this evil which is abortion. Pastors, we must preach about it from our pulpits. And we cannot allow anybody to rail off boundaries where while we cannot speak, we have been ordained by God to speak the truth, to cry loud and spare not. Don't worry about the political implications. Don't worry about that. Listen, let God be true and every man be a liar. So uh, even if it costs us our 501c3, we have to stand up and speak the truth. Render to Caesar what's his, render to God what belongs to him. So we cannot allow ourselves to be marked into a corner where we're too afraid to speak about this. We're too afraid of the repercussions. We're too afraid of running people off. Well, you know, if I'm a pastor preaching in the church, those are the ones that we want to run off, is those devils. <laughs> so we cannot be afraid. We have to build a culture of life, and it starts at our pulpits. Pastor, preach sermons about the sanctity of human life. Preach sermons that reiterate what God says in Deuteronomy 30:19. I set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Therefore, choose life. 
so that you and your descendants may live. Talk to them about the social justice that's wrapped up in abortion. It's a social injustice what's being done to us, especially any black pastor. How can you be silent on that when you see that your people are being wiped out? This is genocide in the black community. So we have to rescue those who are being led to the slaughter. Open up your mouth and preach about this stuff on Sunday morning. Stop all of the getting my praise on and joy, joy, joy when this is going on in our communities. Build a culture of life. Establish ministries in your church that deal with the sanctity of life. There's a comprehensive list of things that we must be dealing with in the church. Not just abortion, but we need to deal with that. But there are other sanctity of life issues that we need to be addressing. The only way that these things will become too important to the people is that they have to be important to the priest and to the pastors. So support ministries. Start ministries in your church that support the life. Invest in those things. These pregnancy health centers, they need your support. They need your prayers. They need your dollars. You know, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. Put some of your treasures in the places where it's going to make some difference in some of these health centers that's coming up trying to be an alternative to that. We recognize the need for having these facilities located within the black community. Planned Parenthood, as you know, they, they put their facilities 75% as much as within walking distance of the black and brown communities. And so we are convinced that some of these same resources that uh, provide women alternatives to abortion must be available in the communities for where most of these people are coming out of to have a frontline forward facility right there to champion these principles of life, providing resources and counseling and love for these women in these communities that are so desperately needed. We applaud all of the pregnancy help centers and thank God for what they've been doing everywhere that they're located. But we're really excited about being in Harvey to sign that uh, contract to have that facility there. That's also going to be a residency program. That's one of the things we've been praying about. God, give us some additional resources for these women when they find themselves in these critical situations, whereas by not only are they struggling to make the decision about life for their child, but their own life. Where am I going to live once my husband or my boyfriend or my parents kick me out because of this decision to have this child? So we're pleased by what God is doing there. We're going to solicit your prayers. We're going to be coming to you. We want accesses to your churches because we want volunteers. We want workers. We're definitely going to be asking for your support, but just please pray for us as we start on this new chapter in our ministry for life. Amen. And then the final encouragement is to be bold and to be strong and know that the Lord your God is with you. Listen, I am not afraid of the enemy because the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. He's already told us the time is going to come when the world will not endure sound doctrine. I understand that better. Now, they're not going to tolerate it. They're not going to put up with it. They don't like it. The only thing that's, that's, that's not tolerated now is the truth. You know, they, they tell me that a grown man could use a bathroom. They're telling me that it's okay for a man to marry a man. They're telling me, but they won't tolerate the truth. And the truth about our message is that God is pro-life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. His whole mission for coming was so that we wouldn't have to die, so that we could live. So then how do we come along and believe that a God who is so committed to the sanctity of life that he gave his only begotten son to die for us so that we would have victory over death, how do we believe that a holy and righteous God will continue to uphold a people that allow the lives of their children to be sacrificed? Abortion is child sacrifice. And pastors, we have to be bold and stand up against it. As I close, I just encourage you 
to get involved with the 40 days of life as just the starting point. Let it be just the starting point. Encourage your people to come out and be on the front lines and to pray. And continue to pray. I would love to talk to you about some of the other opportunities for prayer that's going on around the nation. Building networks of prayer, communities of prayer, where people are believing that God is able. It's going to take God to turn this nation around. And that God is able to do that. People who are crying out for a broken heart, like Nehemiah, when he heard the situation that was in Jerusalem, how the Bible says he wept, his heart was broken. I thank God for my broken heart because my broken heart made me shut up and stop and to look to God and say, God, what is it that we're going to do about this? But once God speaks and shows us what it is that we need to do, then we need to have obedience and we need to have strength to stand up and do what God is telling us to do. And so there are individuals who are crying out to God for the brokenness of this nation so that this nation can be healed. And most of all, if the church of Jesus Christ would simply be the church of Jesus Christ, we could turn this nation around. Anybody believe that today? Thank you so much. I encourage you, please get involved with the 40 Days for Life. Amen. Pastor Cesar LaFleur, one of the founders of the Southland Coalition for Life and a 40 Days for Life leader in Flossmore. If you'd like more information about joining 40 Days for Life, click events at illinoisfamily.org. A reminder, please join the Reverend Franklin Graham and the Illinois Family Institute for the Faith, Family, and Freedom Banquet Friday night, November 1st at the Tenley Park Convention Center. To attend, call IFI at 708-781-9328 or click events at illinoisfamily.org. Please support the work of the Illinois Family Institute. All donations are tax deductible. Until next time. God bless. Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback at ifiaction.org. Until next time, stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize.